Hello, everybody. This is the Makeup Show. We will do Greaser's Palace. We fucking will. I promise you on my fucking... Oh, oh, thank you, Carl. (laughs) Carl just gave me a plate full of uh, Samoas. That's the the same as a downer for me. (laughs) I did no such thing. Oh, that's the other Sarah Paula movie that we're going to do. Never mind. But what we're going to do is Baron Munchak, uh, Terry Gilliam's classic, (laughs) The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. And we're going to get this started here. We're right where the music, we're right at the very, very beginning. So just line it up with, get the beginning of the film there. Right when the music kicks in, kicks in. And get ready and... You ready? Yeah. In five, four, three, two, one, go. And again, this is another film that falls into the Carl Cena in the theater and almost nobody else did category. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Well, I had to go, like, I, I've been a Terry Gillen fan as far as directing since the time dance. So, if something's around and it's in a theater and it's by Terry Gillen, I'm seeing it. Period. And this is such a sweet and gentle film. About a... Well, tell us a little history of the Baron himself before the movie kicks in, Carl. Well, Baron Munchausen is, is a series of, of stories, and, and many of them were told to me when I was a kid. And Baron Munchausen basically was the biggest liar on the face of the earth. And Baron Munchausen would, would, would tell these tales, uh, these <laughs> fantastical tales. Yes, Wednesday. Only, it's Wednesday. Yeah, but I do love that. We're dealing with Baron Munchausen, who's a known liar in the age of reason. Yeah. And the whole and, thing is... And that's his whole point of this movie. It's yeah. imagination versus reason. You, you know, uh, the beats they shot this at, some of the cannons are still there. Yeah. One of the things in about this movie, is, look at the scope of this. Oh, God, yeah. And this movie goes like, I, I've all, you know how I say the Holy Mountain goes from surrealism to real, to magic realism to realism? Yep. Well, this film does the opposite. It starts out in reality, and then it gets more surreal as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the and score that's a copy is of the actual brilliant. statue of Baron Munchausen that's in Germany, right? Right. Cannibalism will keep you death, Carl. So don't be eating nobody. Okay. There we go. And daughter. 
she was in uh, One Magic Christmas, but Sarah Polly has always said this is the first real film she was ever in. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and she watch. just tears it up. Well, when we get to the end, I'll tell something. And what director was a co-director on this and used that symbolism of death in a later movie that he did? I have no idea what you're talking about because there is no co-director. He used the say he was uh, an assistant director to Terry Gilliam on this. And when he made okay. Cemetery Man later in the 90s. Oh, okay, that's cool. That's right. You did yeah. something that. Okay, so I need that. to talk. So what, who we have here is a theater person. And the actor here is Bill Patterson. And I love Bill Patterson. Um, one of the best-known films that he did was uh, Comfort and Joy. But he's in so many English films. He's in The Witches with Nicholas Rogue. Yeah. And who was that girl uh, looking all sooty, tying up uh, that woman? In uh, the that court? was Valentina Cortez. Well, no, that was, uh, she was tying up Valentina Cortez, but that was Uma. Yeah. Uma Thurman. This is the first movie where we legally got a hard on to Uma Thurman. <laughs> well, Any woodies that we got because of Dangerous Liaison, we deny for legal reasons. Yeah. And I love how it's in reality, but it still seems magical how they're putting the play but together, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and this right here shows, people make fun of it, but this movie really shows another fact about the COVID thing that's going on. Which is? And you know what that is? What? The importance of art and distraction. Oh, absolutely. Did this movie even get nominated for Best Costumes? No. No, actually, maybe it did. It did get one nomination. It might have been Costumes. It should have gotten Costumes, Set Divine. And the story they're reacting is an actual story of uh, Baron Munchausen. Oh, absolutely. Getting caught in the well. In fact, everything you see here are from the stories of, of, of Munchausen as we get into the film. And, and these yes, are all ones movie, that I, I was told when I was a kid. Yeah. This movie was a hit in Germany, but it flopped over in America. I wonder why. Maybe it's too smart for the room. And plus, Seriously. they didn't know the history of the Baron. No. <laughs> be hey, isn't it what I was screaming at you right before the show? Yep. <laughs> you were screaming that to me a couple minutes ago. Fun. 
She's great. I love both of them. This movie will make your eyes hurt with all the visual details, like the posters for the Odyssey, the Baron Munchausen, and uh, Cleo. Oh, John Neville. <laughs> uh, this world revived him as far as his career. And, he's and if you're from the '90s and you're a film geek, you've you've always had one moment where you've seen a beautiful woman and you just said the line, but will to go into it when it comes up, right, Carl? Right, exactly. And there's the returning there's actor Price. from Brazil. Oh, and who's that guy? I think that's Sting. And. When they did test marketing for this film, guess what? They test marketed at a mall call, Uh and the teenage fans were pissed off. Why? Sting was only in one scene. Yep. So the first Gilliam has said he knew he was fucked when they yelled at him. The first thing was, "Why is Sting only in one scene?" <laughs> this was money wise uh, Gilliam's Heaven's Gate. Yeah, it was expensive. That is for sure. And the reason that the cannons are still on the beach, Carl, is that they were authentically made and were so heavy that there was no way in fucking hell to get them off the beach. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and the studio complained that this movie, the first 20 minutes, is just them on the stage. Where's the Baron, you know? Well, he's there. And look at this, political satire. Right, Carl? Right. And here he is. There we go. Stop it. And the studio also didn't get why he was old when he first showed up. Well, you'll see why. Yeah. And, uh, yes, uh... Clive Barker has said that when he wrote the story that Candyman was based on, right, he used this part of Munchausen for Candyman. I don't even understand what you're saying. The more that Candyman believes, the stronger he is. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now yeah. I understand. Hey. Because right here, he's a doddering old man. Here we go, the line. 
the line. If you're a guy for if you're a man from the nineties and haven't said that at least once something yeah, wrong beautiful with ladies. Yeah. And there's the only member of the Monty Python no? Yeah. Eric Idle is the only member of the Monty Python yeah, crew he's the only one here. Was it because of one of their shifts, or did he really wanted to make this the Python free movie? Yeah. Yeah, to what? Okay, so he's recognizing his crew, and the actors are that crew from his reality. It gets a little complicated, people, but it's good. Yeah, this movie is complicated, but hey, I'm. What is this? Get him rid of him on the stage. The studios didn't like Price's accent either, and mm. I love oh. it. What is he doing? Is it me, or is that one of the things that's fucking us up right now, public servants? Yeah, tell me about it. But let's, this must be a fun watch, Stephen. <laughs> He's an ass. But I do love the fact that he just says that. Who are you? I am a public servant. What a, what kind of mix is that accent? It's part French <laughs> and Austrian, sort of like a a peacock. <laughs> so good with the the glass. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why I like a lot. And Carl loves him some Johnson twice. Yeah. Do you like that he made this movie so narratively complex rather than... But it's, but it's still him. It's going to be that way. You know, and of course he's dealing with imagination versus reality. He's doing a yeah. whole different things on that. But we're getting too much into it in, in terms of being technical. Here we've got Neville just like killing ass. <laughs> Is it the sea rights we're fighting for? No, that was last time. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear. <laughs> Thank you. 
you with my company. In <laughs> <laughs> here now we go. That's he does that where he'll start from presidium into the into the fantasy. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Does that in almost every one of his films. Hey, Bertha Bud <laughs> Bertha <laughs> See, look at that. Yeah. Hey. But now he's young, notice. Yeah, he's a... Our hero is a liar and a braggart. And a... And the ladies' man. Oh, without a doubt. I love this. Eric Idle said it took him weeks to learn how to walk properly with those. Yep. And not because they're heavy. Because look right there. You can tell the difference between the later scenes earlier because look, they look like foam balls. Yeah. You're going to the cheese store tomorrow? (laughs) The fastest man, the strongest man, and the man uh, with the sharpest eye. That's that's what these people are. And the best hearing. Right. And this right here is one of uh, Gilliam's goose. Okay, so the person who wrote this... i got to get into this. Hold on. So the person who wrote the score is Michael Kamen. When when, uh, Gilliam talked about this scene and this instrument, he actually... (laughs) designed it and, and 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 made it for this instrument. <laughs> the torturers of the <laughs> Like oh fuck. 
<laughs> the point. Yeah. But what I was saying is Gilly is spending an insane amount of money trying to find the right kind of beads to fall down in that uh, hourglass. Yeah. Mine hits. Mine hits. Is hits the word I think it is? Yes, it <laughs> is, isn't it? Yep. My penis, Mike. <laughs> well, look at those. A unique life is hard. Taken like a Wednesday, or no, it wasn't a Wednesday, it was like a Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, uh, matinee, like one or two o'clock. Never know why the, the the he's blind. Never know. <laughs> uh. 
Don't hurt the sheep or the goat. <laughs> Where's my Jay favorite joke I've seen? Where they put cut hair on his neck? Americans wouldn't know the stories. That's because we're uh, 
anally impacted culture. Mm-hmm. And we're back to reality. Yep. I love that, the two stomps in the runoff. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's an ongoing joke. It's Wednesday. What the devil is the Sultan doing? It is Wednesday, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) No, it's Tuesday, but... Oh, wait, yeah. Oh! Even Gilliam wouldn't hurt a dog. No. Isn't it funny guys get their heads cut off and shot in movies all the time? We're like, yeah. But one dog gets killed. Oh, you wouldn't watch John Wick for the longest time. Yeah. And I was still mad he didn't kill him violently enough. Hmm. Ah, one of the most gorgeous. If they ever did any uh, Funko Pops from this movie, I know which one I would want them to do. The Angel of Death? Yeah. I don't blame Suave for using it. Even that dog is going to whoop his not ass. mess with Sarah Pauly, even at this age. Trust me. And I love that she's, she's the audience's entry point to this whole thing. And she became a badass director in her own right. Oh, hell yeah. Out of me, I love it. Yeah.
I know someone who would kick him in the head for saying that. <laughs> yeah, but this is, to be honest, this is Vicky and me arguing. Yeah. Because I believe in the imagination. I believe in dreams. That's why I'm such a a huge fan of, of Gillen. No, because of Fitcher German side and the picture Gilliam loving side. There's times when you're a blind face your director, I'm like, What are you talking about? And then there's sometimes I like, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Tell me. Tell me the story. It's all about the story. See, look, the more she gets to believe in him and hear the story, the younger he's getting. Yeah, exactly. But the makeup change so subtle that unless you notice it, you can't catch... This is this may sound stupid. But you can't casually watch this movie. Do you agree with me? I I, I didn't catch all that, Stephen. Forgive me. Well, what I think is you can't just casually watch this movie because he's just had a couple of makeup changes that are so subtle. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is another movie that you got to watch two or three times. But here she is being a badass, you know. Gilliam never said, but there was this one actress on this movie... Right. Who uh, had, was complaining to him because they uh, chipped the fingernail and how right. much it hurt. And uh-huh. they just said, this little girl ran through explosions and stuff two, three times. It's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's a, look, in between the two switches, he's younger now. Yeah, he's getting younger and younger. <laughs> and those cannons are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. That's in the way you ought to be glad that we can't travel around the world. God damn it, Carl, grab well, help me carry this cannon. Steven, it's like 300 freaking pounds. I don't care, I want one. 
Michele Suave has said this was one of the best working experiences he ever had on the film and one of the most times that he, and it also made him not want to be a director. Oh, absolutely. And his interplay with Polly is just beautiful. Yeah. And Sarah Polly tells stories about John Neville, how much she fell in love with him. And also with Bill Patterson, too. Yeah. He called him my two fathers. Yeah, Gillian pretty much unknowingly taught her how to be a director. Yeah. Oh, no. She talks about that, too. See, this is all about belief. If you believe something (laughs) that's impossible... Yeah. <laughs> <It's there. laughs> 
<laughs> He's wonderful. But you take a look at the budget. He did this for something like twenty million back then, which is a big amount of money. But trust me, it's not one hundred and fifty, one hundred and twenty what they're doing now. Well, the same people that talk about how great the freaking room is, their generation before them were the ones who were like, "Yeah, Baron Munchausen okay. is the heaven's gate of the nineties." Listen to that music. How it swells. It's gorgeous. This is one of the most beautiful scores I've ever listened to. I mean, seriously, they should have nominated this for best score. Absolutely. Well, if we had our way, John Neville would have been uh, best actor, uh, Price, best supporting actor. John Neville, best actor. Jonathan Price, best supporting, maybe along with Bill Patterson. Actor, uh, best. Uh, supporting actress, Sarah Polly. Yeah. Best score, best set design. Oh, yeah. Costuming. You know, if this movie would have made money, it would have got all those. Or at least oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus, a job did Criterion do on this score? Oh, beautiful. I've just got a sound bar, and it's just like boom, 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 boom. I wish I would have seen this in the theaters. Damn it. But there was so much bad press about it, and the trailer for this sucked ass. You're so wrong about it. Somebody asked for the end of this movie. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, there's his 
want a PG or PG-13 because he felt this was a children's and, and he had to fight to give it a PG-13 yeah small budget too. Yeah. 
And I love the Fisher King. We ought to do the Fisher King sometime, too. Oh, yeah. Because that's the <laughs> rarest of uh, Gilliam's films. More people have seen this than probably the Fisher King nowadays. Mm-hmm. I love the Fisher King. I do. Well, there, I don't think there's a, there, there's a, 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 a Gilliam film I don't like. Even some of his lesser... Uh, relegated films. He certainly pulled a miracle out of his ass with Parnassium. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And when I say that, I'm not saying that the movie was a terrible force. It's just that when you lose your lead villain actor. Oh, man. And what he did with that, uh, the imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and, and how those three came, came to his rescue. I mean, we've talked about how Gillum is probably the most cursed director of all time. Seriously. Yeah, but he had a, what I call a hidden lotter moment. Yeah. Which is when oh, uh, Heath Ledger died, his idea didn't get done. Right. But something better came out of it. Yeah, true. I mean, I love how it... And here comes an uncredited cameo... It's more than a cameo. He's the major part of this section. What? Yeah. Again, it's very much a time bandit thing, those faces in the sand. Well, it's the amount of money that uh, this Robin Williams worked for is why he was uncredited. Look, he's younger. He's gotten younger up three or four times in this film so far. Yeah, yeah, but this time it, it's very noticeable. Yeah, this is the first time you're really supposed to notice, but... Yeah, Robin Williams did his whole bit in here for free. Only if they didn't yeah. credit. Yep. In what movie was he nominated uh, Oscar? Was he not moved, Oscar nominated for while he was uh, working on this film? I'm I'm not sure. Um, Goodwill Hunting was no 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 not Goodwill Hunting. Um, the one about the oh, poets, Dead Poets Society. Yeah, Dead Poets Society. Yeah. As Gilliam said, he said, yeah, on the day that he won Dead Poets Society, here we was throwing uh, tomatoes and fruit in his face. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the moon. Ha, <laughs> ha, 
<laughs> and in fact, if you see the things, he calls himself Ray DeTuto uh, in, in the credits. You'll see that. Is yours going on? Yeah. Well, mine's buffering. But here we are with, uh, I forget her name, but her biggest role besides this was, what? Valentina Cortez is her name. Yeah. yeah, do you remember what her other really big role was in a major flop? Well, I know she was in Seven Beauties. Yes, and she, was, and she was the Reverend Mother in Dune. Oh, well. And yes, I'm one of the few that actually like David Lynch's version of Dune. Manja before the Is that is that your term, Carl? Yep. Here now, I'm at uh, where he's got his uh, head back on. Yeah, where I'm just about five seconds ahead when. Uh, When Ornella's just starting to flirt with the Baron. Well, where are you as far as the time? Okay. I'm at 54.35. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm at right where they're locked in the prison. Okay, so you're a little behind me. Give me a time frame. One hour and ten minutes with 55 minutes left. One hour and ten minutes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, they're in the uh, prison now. Yeah. But, yeah, she and was in Seven Eric uh, the Reverend Mother in Dune. So have they found Derek Idle yet? No, they're just right now where uh, he's caught him in the net. Don't worry. But, yeah, right now, goodbye to uh, Robin Williams. He's gone from the film for now. And guess what? That Where are you? Where are you? Give me a time. One hour and nine See, minutes. I'm right where they found Eric Idle. Oh, well then. I skipped ahead to it, don't worry. But yeah. This is one of the first moments you realize that the Baron's a dickhead. Where are you? I'm right where they just found it in the Baroness's head. Give me a time. On the Baroness's head. Calm down. Calm down, Junior. Okay, so I got Valentina Cortez giving them the key. Yeah. 58, 56. Yeah. Okay, we're at the same place? Yeah. Isn't it sad that I don't miss the over-the-top Robin Williams of this era? I I, I do like, I love his work in uh, uh, Fisher King. When he could be over-the-top and controlled at the same time, then he was really good. Tickling her feet, yeah, right. And <laughs> oh, what a douchebag! I love him. up a question I've always had. Maybe you can answer. Did the Baron fuck okay. every woman he ran into? Oh, uh, yeah. He was, even in the stories, he was he, he was going after I'm going to drive you into China. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's a three-headed one. on one of my favorite lines in the whole movie.
Listen to the music. That that is uh, uh, the Moonlight Sonata by by uh, Beethoven. Look at there's some of that actually looks like piano keys, even though they're rollers. Ha, ha, ha. 
the man himself, the man who drunk more than me and you ever could. Yep. Oliver Reed. <laughs> Political jokes in the middle of your kitty movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, why did you turn on President Trump's briefing? Not too much. And that little teacup and all that. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I love it. Of course, I just got... It just stopped again. What? Just stopped again, but I think I found a way of unstopping it, so I'm good. How do you love how dainty and feminine his character is when he comes back yeah. into the movie? Supposed to be the strongest yep. one. <laughs> Found myself. And you mentioned performance earlier in the movie. Carl, are you in the why are you in the movie? Yeah, I I'm here. I'm here. No, why are you in the movie? I'm I'm where they they found uh, Oldrek, and they're down with... uh, I'm asking why. No, I'm saying, why are you in the movie? I'm so dainty and feminine. It's bliss. They call me a midget. (laughs) I'm wondering how the hell did you get into this movie? (laughs) Oh, oh. Forget it. Here we go. Oh. Be quiet. <laughs> Stop drilling. Oh, you're drilling too. God, that entrance. That's based on a famous painting. Yeah, Venus on a half shell. Right. something here for you. <laughs> it looks like he's getting something out of his crotch. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> oh, it's only should make him a eunuch. It might be safer for the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You always, you know, in the stories, if you don't know the stories, you always did get in trouble. You like the ladies. He said title instead of title. Oh, uh, Tittle. Yeah. Dance. Ah, shit. <laughs> oh, and the look on Oliver Reed's face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, that's the old Tex Avery too. Yeah. Pulling out of his ears. So, uh, so freaking amazing. I'm sorry we repeat this a lot, but just this is just one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And this waltz is, is gorgeous. This waltz is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> oh, nice. I love this angry. <laughs> I love him. Oh, God, are we going to die? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the youngest we've seen him in the movie yet, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, he was in his 60s when he did this. Yeah. He was actually like 61, 62 when he, he did this film. And, of course, we're talking about John Neville. Yeah. I don't remember that black guy being in any, any movies besides this. I can check that. Yeah, go ahead. And Eric Idle, after this movie, I think, is when he pretty much started doing nature shows. <laughs> oh God! Look at those chandeliers. So much money. <laughs> How did he expect to get the money back on this? I don't know. So that was Winston Dennis. Is is this? Uh-huh. And basically, he only has eight credits. 
And basically, he's got this, and and he's got uh, Brazil and Time Bandits, and Nuns on the Run, and The Commitments. So he only did eight films. Didn't you say that that's one that you loved, Nuns on the Run? No, it's, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a great movie. Yes, it is. It's a horrible fucking freaking movie. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, what? As much as I love this film, someone, the producer should have grabbed Terry by the throat and said very gently, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> no, Don't I disagree. No, I think this is damn near perfect. Yeah, it's damn near perfect, but goddamn. <laughs> Drop it. Oh. 
all through the night. I'll do this and enter the world. Well, I heard this scene was hard for the swimmers to do. Yep. Yeah, I come in the belly of a whale. <laughs> What's sad is if Disney put this movie out instead of Columbia, it would be a hit today no matter what. I guess a movie with Fort Downey Jr. where he reaches into a dragon's asshole to pull out armor and have the dragon fart all over him can make $100 million Why a movie that's funny, sweet, and for everyone. No one's seen it back then. Why didn't Gillian put more fart jokes in this movie, damn it? That was how the movie worked. <laughs> Don't you know it's ten million a fart? Mm-hmm. I love all the roses that popped up around him. You know the guy that did uh, the effects for uh, Fuji? Yeah. Zombie? He did that. He did the monster. Any luck. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the producer was too indulgent with uh, Gilliam. And when Gilliam took the slack, he got pissed off at him for it. Now, if you remember at the beginning of the movie, they told this story on stage. Yeah. Every one of the stories they pretty much told on stage. So you really don't know if it really happens or not, even at the end. Right. But yeah, instead of the producer's fault for not reining in Gilliam like he should, Gilliam was the one who caught the shit for all this mess. They were it's like they it was like a hit job after Brazil. They're like you embarrassed us our studio executives, us guys on top, now we're gonna fuck you. Yeah. Do you think it was wrong of them to release this in the middle of frickin' July 1990? Oh, you know... Well, in the early 90s? I could, I could understand why they think this would be a big summer movie. I get it, but 
It's too odd. You know, I always say, if you're going to hire someone, know what they've done. Know what you're getting yourself into. Don't think they're going to do it to your specs. Particularly someone like an auteur like Terry Gill. I mean, but if you really look at it, on paper, hey, our big summer movie, who's in it? Oliver Reed. Oh, wow. Uma Thurman, the sexy girl from Dangerous Liaisons. Wow. Robin Williams. Awesome. Uh, John Neville. (laughs) Who the fuck is that? What? John Neville. Who the fuck is that? Yeah. But then Columbia is like, we're going to put up this poster, and and Gilliam had to tell them, and he hated to, oh, you can't mention Oliver Reed and uh, Robin Williams in the advertising. You recognize that voice? That's another unincredited role. Who, the the accordion player? Yeah. Who? Rip Torn. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Originally, uh... He had someone else cast for it, but then he had to call him in at the last second. that they get their powers back not because well, well, uh, let's get the girl believes in the parents the baron believes in them times me and you had that exact same argument. <laughs> I'm not dead. Oh. I love it that she's the only one in this movie that doesn't ever not give up. Look at them. They're just already half fuck it. Let's oh, play a absolutely. game. Absolutely. That's the beauty. And when you're young and you have imagination, you don't give up. That's the whole point of the movie. clear off. I've seen him say piss off to her before and but then I've seen a lot of weird pay per view versions. Mm. 
There he is again.
Oh, there's some we really haven't fucking mentioned. What's okay. not in this movie? What? CGI. Every freaking effect in this movie is a practical effect. Yeah, absolutely. There's no CGI in this whatsoever. Like right here, you can see some of the shadows of uh, Neville on the green screen stage, but that's it. Right. Notice he's young and then everyone else is old. Yeah. he was when she said that. That's really the point of the movie, isn't Not it? Not you. Not you. They're Like two twenty, actually. Yeah. What'd you say? Two hours twenty minutes. Yeah. This is two hours and nine minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm having buffing, buffing problems. versus imagination. Yeah. And I love I love that damn thing with the hand to catch the head. Oh, absolutely. And look how here how much of uh the story and first of the film that Gilliam is showing okay. that actually happened the uh the Sultan so knows shot. the Baron. What? Yeah. But that shot where where the camera goes back, you see all those people? Unbelievable. Yeah. Not yet. Yet, yet. <laughs> Do you have any famous last words, Carl? Not yet. Yep. And here we go. <laughs> I love how pissed off everyone is in this movie. <laughs> you know. In case you're wondering, yes, the stunt man actually got injured on that. Yeah. Uh, the coolest decapitations ever in a movie. Doink, 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 doink. Yep. <laughs> All practical. Yes, this is stuff we grew up with, Ray Harryhausen and stuff like that. Yeah. This movie really was really the last gasp for practical effects in a giant movie like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, watch out <laughs> So 
sorry, but this is a big kid movie, and big kids just send it on the TV. <laughs> and if you remember they based the trailer on stuff like this if you go and right. see this book you're going to be highly disappointed right comes up with an idea too. I wish he had gotten to do his Looney Tunes gag there like he was uh, wanting to do. Yep. And that would be uh, the elephant grabbing a guy and smacking trying to hit the mouth.
God, look at that song. Yeah. And and this is all practical. Think about that. Yeah. Oh, and Gilliam said, and Suave said, everyone on the set had to turn on that. Yeah. Because imagine how badass that would make you feel. <laughs> oh, it's a friggin' loot <laughs> Bobby said he came up and asked Gilliam, he said, why do you thrive in such insanity, in such chaos, in such stress? And he said, I don't know, but I do. Yeah. And there's Christ. I love it. That's a subtle change that you might not get that in this scene he becomes death. Uh huh. <laughs> that wasn't intentional, that was a boo boo. This makes you wonder did they actually. Look at all the extras, man. Yeah. And we're going to be going overtime by ten minutes. Only ten minutes, Carl. Yeah, not too bad. And plus, it doesn't seem like we've been on uh, here about two hours, does it? Yep. No, it doesn't feel like that at all. I love this freaking movie. Oh, agreed. And there... Yeah, there he is. in here that Gilliam had a lot of his ideas cut because wasn't he supposed to have a bigger uh, death scene right here? You no, know, no, actually he didn't, of course, you know death comes alive I'm talking him right here uh, Price's character No, no No, he was not Price was never supposed to die and you'll understand why in about two minutes. Oh, and what character is uh, Death dressed up like in this scene? See if we get that reference. Uh, 
You know who it looks like? It looks like um, uh, David Warner. No, Vincent Price in Tumalajaya. Oh, yeah. She is fearless, that girl. Yeah. I love her. When he was making a cemetery man, Swabby called up Gilliam and said, "Uh, do you mind if I use your version of death from Munchausen? He says, go ahead, who gives a shit? It'll piss off the producer and that'll make me happy. This is really the last time that uh, Gilliam did a studio production, right? Yeah, I think so. Because everything after this was big stars, but it was sort of, he did it he did it himself and then sold it. Well, 12 Monkeys was universal. 12 Monkeys was, yeah, yeah I came after this. But then he had two aces in the hole for 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. Right. And I'm saying that is in the salad, not that, because they were damn good. And plus, he won Oscars for the Fisher King. Right. The occasions in which I died. We're back at the very first of the film, aren't we? to a point here right at the end in the last line and I swear to God every time I've ever seen this I cry and you'll understand why it's weird but this movie makes me cry poison
<laughs> no. Amen. Well, shit, I love this. Last line's coming up, man. That line, though it just wasn't the story, was it? Was it? Then he gives her the rose, and the dog's following him. I love this, and daughter. Yes. John Neville, yeah. Neville. Yeah, resurrected his career. Eric Idle, Sarah Polly, Oliver Reed, Charles McKinnon, Charles McKinnon, Winston Dennis, Dennis, Jack Purvis, Valentina Cortez, Jonathan Price, Bill Patterson, Bill Patterson, Peter Jeffrey, Uma Thurman, Uma. Alvin Stedman, Ray Cooper, Heroic Officer, Ray DeTuto, Ray DeTuto, <laughs> directed by, produced by Thomas Shuley, fuck you, I'm producer David Tomlin, fuck you too, so supervising Drag producer, me. fuck you, fuck you, 
Just fuck you, Dean Wills, the producer. No, right no, now. Greg Cooper's in it. So, no, he's cool. Okay. Charlie McCann and Terry McGill and music by Michael, Michael Kamen. Unfortunately, Michael Kamen died young. He died very young. Died like yeah. a couple years after this movie was released. Oh, he always did good scores. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Special effects, Richard Conway. Optical effects by casting. Da, 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 da. The art directing. There's so many Much awards this movie should have run. Best art direction and all that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. First assistant director, uh, John Coso. And, of course, this was shot uh, on Chinesita in Rome, much of it. Yeah. See, Christina Girossi, Gino Taramaggi. Oh, God, that's a lot of editors. Oh, yeah. Special effects technician. Matt. Puppeteers. Michael Kamen and Eric Idle did the Torturer's Apprentice. Yeah, the Torturer's Apprentice, right. right look, second unit. Director Michelle Suave. Yeah, Michele Suave. Right before this, he had already done Stage Fright. Okay. And then he did this, and then he uh, uh, did the church, and uh, and then and then uh, cemetery man, cemetery man, or Delamora, And if you haven't seen that one, you need to. That one is just an amazing yeah. movie. Don't you Absolutely. agree? Oh, without a doubt. That's one I got a DVD for that's worth about 80 bucks, and I'm pissed off about it because it should be out there easy to get. Maggie, Amy, and Holly, and now Harry, his kids. Yes, it was another film made for, for his kids. Yep. And there it is. The adventures. This is a new, oh, and yes, the UFA Transit Moreau 1943 picture bearing the title The Bar- Adventures of Baron Munchausen. There was there's, a also the, about uh, that. there's also the uh, Czech version that was done in 58 or 59. Yeah. Uh, there was that one too. Mm. 
Okay, now the wrap-up part, and I can ask you a very fun question for you. Okay. What is it about Gillian that you love so much? I think that's real simple. For me, it's about the stories, and it's about the imagination. If you take a look at his films, it's about King Arthur. Okay, it's the first one. Of course, that's a Monty Python film. But then you get into Jabberwocky, and he's still telling the story about the Jabberwocky. Then the Fisher King. Then, then this one. And it's all about the stories and what imagination does for us. The imagination opens up a whole visual palette, whole thing, and he puts his imagination on film. There's nobody out there whose films look like his. None. Like uh, the scene in... The Fisher King, where the bus station turns into a ballroom. Oh, man. No, that's a train station. That's a Grand Central. And, and he does yeah, it well, train station, in, in instant. Instant. It's brilliant. It's freaking brilliant. Uh, and and uh, his whole idea of... of imagination versus reality and faith versus reality and all these things. You know, the one thing about this movie we just watched, who was the character who had the faith that they would get it done? Yeah. And that's the girl. Why? Because she believes. He believes. Yeah, he believes. He had that faith. And sometimes that faith, it works out. And that's what, and he's purely an optimistic director. He really is an optimistic director and, and has an optimistic uh, viewpoint. That's what I love about him. And there's nobody else like him. Nobody. Even in a cynical ending like uh, 12 Monkeys. Yeah, but how does that really end? It does. Sure, he dies, but if you remember the scene after that, yeah, they get it the antibodies. End. They get they I get want, they get the. Yeah, but Go like ahead. I say, there's you don't know, and I would not call Brazil a depressing ending because he fucking escapes. No, no, I I I happen to agree with you, and so does Gillum. Gillum thinks it's a happy ending too. Yeah. Because he's got, got his imagination. Any way he can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and and it's interesting how how uh you take a look at, at at his films. And even if you get into to to his later films. Um why are you doing this to me? I'm like, ah, okay. Uh, the later films. Uh, you talking uh, Tideland era? Yeah, exactly. Tideland. Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Tideland. Uh, yep. There's one that we're forgetting that comes out. What was the one after 12 Monkeys, but before... Okay, so we, have, so we have Munchausen, then we have the Fisher King, 12 Monkeys. Then we have Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which actually, to be honest, 
is probably my least favorite of all his films, with the exception of the one after that, and which would be The Brothers Grimm, which Gilliam. really is not his film. What? Yeah, it's Johnny Depp's film. Right. But Tideland, The Imaginary of Dr. Parnassus, and The Zero Theorem I like. They might not be top-notch, Gillum. But they're good, and he's got two shorts in there, too, that he did. But I'll tell you what, if you want one of his later films, I think it's a friggin' uh, masterpiece, it's Tideland. And I'm one of the few people that will say that. I friggin' love Tideland. It tries too hard to be offensive. Uh, well, perhaps so. That's still the girl that plays Eliza Rose in there. But that's a half cup, half full, half empty shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You say tomato, I say tomato, and you say shut the fuck up, it's still good, I like it. (laughs) And I also like the Zero Theorem, too, even though it was low budget, perhaps. I like the Zero Theorem, No, that one got great good reviews. Yeah. And I still have not seen The Man Who Killed Don Quixote yet. I do need yeah, to see that at some point. I know. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on Thursday for Shampoo, and that's probably going to be me and Carl. Yeah, more than likely. More than likely. Okay, but that'll be fun. And, Stephen, and thank you for, for, for uh, uh, suggesting this one, since we couldn't do uh, uh, Greaser's Palace. This was We're going to do it, to do. God damn it! It's the fucking moral imperative to me now. The movie slapped me in the face twice, and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, good. We'll have to schedule. It. All right, Stephen. Well, I want to thank you for having me on, um, and I guess we'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, and one thing: always believe in fantasy, because. You can't have too. You can't have too much reality in your life, can you? Yeah. Uh, let's not talk. About, <laughs> I can think of someone I, I would say that to, and I would probably get hit over the head. But okay. <laughs> well, I get hit over the head too, but still, I would rather have all the people out there watch movies, enjoy movies, mm-hmm. than think yeah. about what's going on outside their front door. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? At this point, I think we need we need to have an imagination. We need to keep that door open to get through what we're getting through right now. Be very, very serious. And if you guys do anything for me after this is over, go to the park or go out to the country and find a dandelion and blow it into the air like you did when you was a kid and look at all those beautiful little white puppy things. Or find a rose and give it to somebody you love. Just like Baron Munchausen did tonight. Or buy a black one and give it to someone you hate. Uh, no. This is all for love. This is Well, get a rubber rat and send to him, too, because that's kind of funny. You know, or a rubber chicken. You know, that that might work. Yeah, choky chicken. I mean... (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night.